All right, let's get after it. Episode 15 of 40 Minutes of Pod. Louis Rabeau, Mark Ennis, Jay Davis hanging out with you this week. I am back uh, from the jungle. Uh, very enjoyable week in the jungle down there in Mexico. Thank uh, my wife for not beheading me while we were there. Uh, not a small thing with four children traveling and those kinds of things. Um, Mark, I had a moment today where I realized where we are with Louisville basketball. And sometimes, and it's something we, we talk about a lot, 10 to noon on 680. Don't go by what people tell you. Go by what they do. And can you imagine a time when Rick Pitino was coaching here, Mark Ennis, that a man named Bob Valvano, who does the color commentary on the radio broadcasts, would take a vacation the week of February 26th. Now, if you know the team isn't going to make the NCAA tournament, you could make those kinds of plans. Can you imagine a scenario 10 years ago where Rick Pitino would have been like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go to Disney for a week. <laughs> the, the I'm not sideways, picking up Bob, by the way. No, the sideways. I mean, Mike Rutherford, my radio competition in the afternoon is at Disney this week. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's the normal tent pegs and chronological markers for where we are in the year don't matter, and it's depressing as hell, dude. Yep. Uh, go by what people do and not – uh, what they say to you. Uh, Jay, uh, you are up there in Michigan. Are we seeing potentially the end of an era with Tom Izzo? I, I am of the opinion that eventually all coaches uh, eventually do come to the end of their uh, their best years. It's a very good chance that Tom Izzo is uh, past that point. Obviously, he has many weeks coming up here uh, to make a difference in this season, but uh, does not look great at this moment. Uh, let's go ahead and besmirch Michigan State on this show because usually if we say something nice, the team immediately loses. So let's go ahead and do something nice here. Let's say Michigan State really sucks. Talk about that. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the case. You know, last week, last week was a week to you know secure your spot in the tournament. You know for yeah. what the twenty seventh year in a row, and they yeah. totally blew it. You know that Iowa game, they couldn't guard anybody. Uh, that Ohio State game, you know, as we've seen most of the year, the rotations were weird. They ran out some weird lineups. They had a couple times where they had two centers out there. Xavier Booker, the five-star freshman who's the best recruit that Izzo has ever had, you know, based on, like, composite scores and things like that. He clearly gave provided them with a spark, and he's that game showed that he was their first real big man who was an option on offense in, like, five years. And then all he didn't play the last 15 minutes of the game. And, you know, they go on to lose to a bad Ohio State team with an interim coach in his third game. And, you know, it's it just looks really bad. You know, they got three games left. They're not going to beat Purdue on Saturday night. Um, they get Northwestern at home on senior day. That's not a given because Northwestern's, you know, been killing Michigan State for the last handful of years. And then their last games at Indiana, I know the computers love them. They're still ranked in the top – you know, inside the top 25 in Ken Palm and Annette. And I saw some stats today that said nobody – uh, at this point of the season, February 27th, who's been in, inside the top 30 in the net or Ken Palm has ever missed a tournament. I'm not worried about them missing the tournament unless, you know, they completely fall off a cliff. But based on last week, that's something that looks like looks like it could happen. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the standard for Michigan State, particularly since, you know, we've been affiliated with the school was stay four sure. years and go to the final four. And now it's stay four years and you might make the second weekend of the tournament. You know, yeah. ever since, you know, ever since the pandemic, the, the programs have been bad. They've been like I said, they've been a second tier Big Ten team. You know, 21, they lose in the play in 22. You know, they lose in the second round. 23, you know, they make the sweet 16. But I mean, you know, it's 
they but they made the season two sixteen as like a seven seed. So you know, there's there's just not high level play. I don't think there's been high level coaching, and you know the, the program's kind of you know in a spot where they're like a couple years away from being also ran. Yeah, that's a real issue. And the next hire, I think, won't be the good hire. I think the next guy's going to have to fail, and then they're going to have to hope in five years. Um, that someone comes in and cleans it up. But I think the era of good basketball at Michigan State is very much uh, in jeopardy. On the other side of the court there, Mark Ennis, was a Chris Holtman-less Ohio State team who is suddenly playing considerably better. Has anyone's firing been better in recent memory than Chris Holtman a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, he's been the the living embodiment of what people who have wanted the scourge of, uh, of Kenny Payne to end uh, to happen. Like, that's... Look, Chris Holman didn't he, he wasn't like torturous to the players, but I think the the questions about his future and just whatever it was that was keeping them from being as good as they maybe had been, uh, you just took all the pressure out of the balloon by by going ahead and making your move. And it, I think it just has allowed them to play without any really fear of the consequences. And and it, I think around here, people have looked at this like, why can't we at least have that? Uh, and to have him do that twice, it's it, it's been a little, it's just twisted the knife a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, Chris Holman obviously out at Ohio State, and they're I mean, immediately playing better. I don't know if they're a tournament team necessarily, but boy, they're going to make a bunch of teams' lives unpleasant uh, in the coming there's, weeks. Go ahead. There's no way they're going to make the tournament. I mean, that that's a team now. You know that in a couple of weeks in the conference tournament, you should be horrified yeah. of. You know, just yep. you know, there's <laughs> Not always, there seems to always be one. Yeah, there seems to always be one in a lot of the conference tournaments, you know, that plays that Tuesday, Wednesday, super early game and that gets to the semifinals. And it feels like, you know, Ohio State's trending toward being that team in the Big Ten this year. All right, let's hey, let's do the power five leagues and let's name let's name that team right now. We can do this if we want to say it's Ohio State in the Big Ten. Wake Forest in the ACC. I think they're too good. I think they're. I think, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, you mean like a team that's not a tournament team? But it's gonna yeah. up everything. Yeah, it's gonna get. screw okay. up everybody else's chances come tournament time. Is ACC okay. so ACC is that like a Virginia Tech? Or Florida State. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, when you've got a good. bad like a bad team with good players and good like coach. He, at, at any time yeah. they could just be like, let's just put this all together now. And then you end up with you know like, something like that. Yeah. I wanted to say Miami, but Miami's just like they're not good enough right now. And, uh, I yeah. would also yeah, say that Georgia, Georgia Tech's been messy, but they have beaten both Duke and Carolina this year. They beat good teams. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on the list there for sure. A team that's making a push for the tournament. I don't know if they'll actually make it, but I wouldn't want to play right now as Pitt. If there's a team in that yeah. conference that is playing just annoying basketball, <laughs> it's definitely Pitt. And so yeah. I think they're going to mess up some other teams' as, uh, resumes as well. But they're, I mean, they're. They're nine and seven. I mean, in his, you know, historically, we would look at that kind of record in the ACC and assume they're just going, you know, they're barreling toward the tournament. Obviously, not the case this year, but they've got several games left on their schedule. Uh, Pitt, for example, closes at Clemson, at BC, Florida State at home, NC State at home. So four winnable games for them uh, outside of that trip to Clemson, uh, probably being, what do you think, an elimination game for one of those teams for the NCAA tournament? The Clemson game, if Pitt wins, it'll get him in. I think right now Clemson's probably safe. Clemson's probably safely in the field right now. That, okay. You know, Pitt, Pitt winning that game would probably Pitt, Pitt winning that game would probably put him in Dayton, and then you know they win those last three games, and then they probably right. be safely in. 
All right. So that was the ACC. Let's go to uh, well, the Big 12. We'll just go alphabetically here. Um, Kansas uh, State. They use the, the one-two. Uh, so that puts them alphabetically ahead of the other big conferences. Uh, K-State is a very, very good one. They looked like trash last night. But then they beat I like Kansas. them notice. Yeah, they were they last night was bad. They almost West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12, and they almost yeah, blew a 25 yeah. point lead. But again, you know, once it gets to overtime, they don't lose. So I, if if I had to pick one out of the Big 12, it'd probably be Texas. You know, just you know, they've they've struggled most of the year, but they have talent. Roddy Terry is a decent coach. You know, they've got athletes. That's a team that can win two or three games next two or yep. three games in that conference tournament. And I'm a big fan of UCLA. I was going to put Oklahoma on that list for the Big 12, by mm, the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, not, I just think a lot of Porter Moser. Go to the Pac-12. We can do that. Is it UCLA? Man, haven't they won a bunch, though, man? They're they're nine and seven in conference. They're in fourth place, man. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. With and the it's not Washington State anymore because Washington State's winning a bunch of games. And we were talking today on the show because Kentucky's down in Starkville right now. I mean, that Mississippi State win over Washington State looks damn good right now. It's one of those, yeah. right? And so yeah. uh, historically, Washington State would have been in that group. Dude, it might be Cal. And Cal's the team, by the way, if you wanted to go after Kenny Payne, that you would use. They're 13 and 15, but they're over 500 in the Pac-12 in the conference. Uh, if you wanted to do that, Madsen, who can't dance, um, is running them uh, to a 9-8 <laughs> and eight record in the conference. Yeah. Jay Davis left that one. Uh, but uh, either he can't dance at all or that was the greatest dancing display in the history of the guy. I can't decide. It's one of the two. I can't decide. Um, he can't but, dance. Yeah, he I, can't dance. He can't. Yeah, I think we know what it is. The jury's out, yeah. We know the answer there, Louie. Um, all right. Uh, then uh, let's go to the Big Ten. Who's that team in the Big Ten? Who is knows? Indiana? You know, I, like, like I said, I, I think it'll – I think – Right now, it's trending toward being Ohio State. Uh, yeah. You know, my, Rutgers is awful too, but it, it could be. There's, there's a couple of teams. I think outside of Purdue, you know, that that bracket could go any number of ways. So you know, you can look at, you know, Rutgers, Indiana, Ohio State, even Iowa. You know, to, to make a run there. Yeah. If Iowa gets hot shooting, they could beat anybody. They do that seemingly every year. Who is it then in the Big East, and why is it Villanova? <laughs> I think it's Villanova, eight and eight, but I think Neptune's got to go in a little bit with them. I think I mean, the kind of team in that conference. Um, don't, you know, don't, I th- I th- after this yeah, weekend, don't you have to say St. John's? Yeah. They won it's two in, in a row after, you know, after the little tirade. And, you know, they're, <laughs> they're playing, you know, they got that. What did, who did they beat? They, uh, they, they smoked Creighton. I know the Georgetown Creighton. win, it's, it's Georgetown, but they beat Creighton pretty bad. You know, they got them to, you know, eight and nine in the league and they got, I know they have two two of their last three on the road, but their last two games are DePaul and Georgetown, which yeah. would probably put them at 500 in the league. So that's the team that's probably going to need to win a couple games, you know, that week to get in. So, yeah, I, I'd probably say St. John's. Uh, uh, looking at the they're probably going to finish right over 500 in the league. Wow. Yeah. Uh, looking at uh, some scores right now, it will not be Cincinnati uh, in the Big 12 who just scored <laughs> to make it 14-4 at Houston. So uh, there you go. Uh, how good is Houston, Jay? I mean, somehow they, you know, people were like, oh, they're going to go go into the Big 12, which I think is the best conference in the country, and it's going to be pretty tough for them. And, you know, they're, they're firmly in control in that league. They got that that, that Kansas game, you know, is the, last, is the last game they lost in like a month and a half. But, you know, that was just a really bad day, and Kansas was locked in. I don't think Kansas has been that locked in since that game. But, 
yeah, you know, they're coming in and, you know, I, they beat Iowa State. They went at Baylor in overtime, you know, their last two games. Um, you know, two of their losses uh, in the league were, I think, in back-to-back games on the road at Iowa State, which is ranked in the top ten, and at TCU, which is yep. a pretty good team. So, you know, they've, they've come in there. You know, Kelvin Sampson's done a really good job. Their backcourt is probably the best backcourt in the country with, you know, Cryer and, you know, Jamal Sheeds. So yep. they, they've been a really good team for the last, like, half a decade. I watched. Well, I, I got into a YouTube uh, rabbit hole of like X's and O's videos of the way they blitz ball screens and how different it is. Uh, and look, it's fascinating to watch a team with a defensive style that nobody else is really used to, and how much it screws you up. Uh, but if you're, it's one of those things where it's like if you're not ready for it come tournament time, they're going to mm-hmm. tie team in knots. Uh, I think they can win the whole thing. Oh sure, no, I agree with that. Yeah, so. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Mississippi State started 14-3 to and is now 16-10 uh, under eight timeout there in Starkville, a game uh, that I predicted a victory for the Bulldogs. And so we will see if Kentucky can rally uh, in that one. Uh, just Kentucky just does not put these games back-to-back together for some reason this season. And so 5-5 five and five in their last 10, looking to go over 500 uh, in their last 11 with a win uh, over Mississippi State. Uh, down in Starkville, they rushed the court at Wake Forest, Mark Dennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, a player from Duke was involved, and so everyone is talking about it. Uh, do they need to bring in the National Guard at Wake Forest? Man, you realize we the the spectrum of reactions to what to do about this? <sighs> Good Lord. It's not even hurt now. I know. The like, one thing I'll say is it took, it. it took two whole days for somebody to look at that video, which people have been watching like the Zapruder film, for them to see that before somebody hit him, hit him low, he pushed somebody else. So, you know, I don't begrudge him for that. You know, it's 3,000 oh, people rushing right. for but, yeah. but, you know, that it took two whole days for somebody to bring up that, well, you know, he, he shoved the guy, you know, before he got hurt. But, you know, I don't want him to, I don't want him to get hurt. But, you know, there's, there's, there's just a lot that's going on there. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I I'm not totally against it, but, you know, my thing about storming the court is that it should be reserved for like, you know, huge wins. Like this is something that didn't happen as often as it's happening right now. You know, I I look mm-hmm. back at there's two games that I think about this year, one on a, a, men, a men's game and a women's game. You know, you look at that Ohio State Iowa game where Caitlin Clark, you know, met, did her flop at the end of it. Yep. Ohio State was ranked in the top 10 and they were probably favored to win that game. Why do you rush the court as a top 10 team in a game you're favored in? And then LSU, Kentucky, you know, was that last week or a couple of weeks ago? I can't remember now. You know, mm-hmm. Kentucky's ranked like 17 yeah. and, you know, LSU's like two games behind them in the standings, but they rushed the court. You know, that used to be something, you know, that reserved for, was reserved for beating top five teams, beating number one, you know, clinching the league title on senior day, things like that. So, I, you know, I just think, you know, I, I just wish the kids would, you know, think about it that way that, you know what, this shouldn't be something we're doing two or three times a year. I, I said today, my solution is because the only thing I really care about is like, you want to rush the floor, fine. Don't mess with the other players. Like, that's not what that. you're doing. That's not what it's for. I think you say you have the immunity that Trump thinks he has. If you, if you play for the other team and fans rush the floor, it's the purge. If they come near you, it's on. And then we'll just find out who really wants to be out there or not, and they'll leave the other mm-hmm. team alone. <laughs> you want to get out? You want to run out there and get Cam Newton? Go for it. I'm really <laughs> disappointed that neither of you want to 
bring in the military to tackle 18 and 19 year old people. I'm really, you know what? I, you know, I, I thought about that, you know, it's, you know, it, it, I hate that my mind works this way, but, you know, just thinking about that, you know, if it like, you know, that's Duke, you know, if, if, you know, you look at the demographics of the people storming the court, if that was yep. flipped, the national uh -huh. guard would get called in. So, but, yeah, you know, I don't want like, and I, I heard people talking about, you know, wait till the teams, wait till the opposing teams in the tunnel. That's not, I don't think that's what it should be. You know, that makes it's not, it's less, it's much less organic that way. Like I said, you know, I just think there should be some level of, you know, standard there to where, oh, we, we played number three tonight and they're 22 and oh, you know, if we give them their first loss, we should rush the court. It shouldn't be, you know, beating 18 and seven Kentucky or, you know, right. you're playing, I mean, Duke's number eight, but yet, I mean, it's not Duke. You know, so and I know that was a great win for Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated at home this year. But, you know, you guys get what I'm trying to say. You know, it's, like I said, there should be some some standards there, I think. Well, Jay wants uh, Kent State at every uh, basketball game. now. I had no idea. How about that? All right. Well, um, move on from there. Uh, South Florida, man. Is this a good story or a good team, do you think, Jay? Both. You know, yeah, I mean. You know, I think the only thing that the computers don't like them at all, which is mm. weird because they won. I think they won 13 games in a row. They won 19 out of 20. You know, they beat Memphis when they were in the top 10. They beat a ranked Florida Atlantic team. They got a couple decent non-conference wins. You know, they beat Florida State. Loyola Chicago is near the top uh, of, of the A-10, and they beat them. But, you know, the, the computers don't like them at all. You know, they're like close to 100 in Ken Palm and like 85 in the net. And, you know, checking some of the different brackets, you know, they're like an 11 or 12 as an automatic qualifier. They play what they play Charlotte this weekend, which Charlotte's also at the top of the A-10. Uh, you know, if they end up like 24 and 5 or, you know, and 17 and 1 in the league, I think that should be enough for them to get in that large. But I'm just not as much. I don't think there's been a, there's an over-reliance on the computers now, but Right. The, the committee, they, they look at the computers a lot. And I would hate to see them go, you know, like I said, you know, 24 and five or something like that, you know, and end up 17 and one in their league and, you know, and them not get in just because the computers don't like them. Do you think, Mark, in a year like this, when there are upsets everywhere, it's hard to know who's going to win night to night, that a team like South Florida, 13 straight wins, chance at, you know, on the week, on the road this weekend at Charlotte, uh, to pad that resume, 13 wins in a row. Do we just need to give a team like that a spot in the tournament just because they're actually winning basketball games this year? Well, think about it, like the insanity of that question. Because you're saying, <laughs> should we put a team in because they're winning? I, I, know, and, I know. And this is what the net has done. It has, mm -hmm. it has devalued uh, teams that scrap and find a way to win as a skill in favor of teams who blow in somebody inferior out from start to finish. And, and I, I think it's a, it would be a travesty to, to look at a team that's playing like they are now uh, with, with no reason to, to have made the leap that they've made either within this season or coming out of the last three seasons in which they stunk under Brian Gregory. Like I would hope that the committee would realize these are humans here and that the whole point of this thing is to win games uh, I'll do my Herm Edwards here. You, you play to win the games. They're winning the games. Put them in. Guys, I was in Tampa, and I cannot express to you how little USF basketball ever gets talked about. When I played rec league basketball as a chubby little kid, we got tickets free for playing. Like, that's how 
not important it is. And that place was the, the Sundome was full for nice. FAU and they led the news uh, after they won the game. Like it's, it's awesome what's happening. And I hope that uh, the, the committee is willing uh, or, or will consider uh, just how good this is for the sport when teams do it right and do this thing. Uh, as I hope they get in. I, I do. I hope they do. What do you one think is the long term? Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say one thing that they've been able to do that, you know, not a lot of, not pretty much anybody outside of like the top two or three teams in the country has done it is win true road games. I think they've won like six true, six or seven true road games in a yeah. row. And no matter what league you're in, that's hard. You know, that's proof every that's, the last couple of seasons have proven that it's very, very hard to win on the road, and they're doing that too. Uh, it's uh, obviously a great coaching job by Amir Abdurrahim. Uh, by the way, that family has become a royal family of basketball in this country, yeah. which is pretty incredible. It really is, actually. Um, yeah. Tons of guys doing great things. How long is he in South Florida if he keeps having seasons like this, Jeff? You know, it, it depends on, you know, you know what jobs that's an interesting open. conference now. In, in a weird way, that's an interesting basketball conference. You have Memphis, you have FAU, who's obviously very good recently. Charlotte is, look, I mean, it, over the years, historically not a you know a, a reasonably good mid-major kind of program. Uh, SMU is obviously not in there uh, for the long term, but you know it, that's the top of that conference is pretty good. Could you see them either multiple bids this year, and does uh, you know does Abdurrahim end up in a different job? I mean, I think the only way it ends up being multiple bids is if, you know, if South Florida double dips, you know, if they win a regular season and a conference, because Florida Atlantis get Florida Atlantis yeah. going to get in, you know, they're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a, it's obviously a smaller brand, but they're a brand now, so they're going to get in. If, you know, I, I would hate to see, like I said, you know, South Florida go 24 and five and lose in the semifinals of that conference tournament and then not get in. I just don't think that would be right. How about you, Mark? Uh, I think he's got like four weeks. That's how long I think. Think he'll be there uh, because keep in mind, I mean, he the year before this, the the thing that catapulted him is they went twenty six and nine at Kennesaw State in the tournament after being abysmal for the couple of years before, and he really built that up very patiently. So I think he's got a lot going for him. Uh, I think Jay hit it right though. Like it really depends on what jobs open up uh, yeah. that 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 will make sense for him as a stepping stone from where he is. Uh, I don't know that Louisville or say Michigan or these places that open up are going to take a chance on him, but I, I think other there are there are programs that are clearly a step up from USF that that should absolutely right. give this guy a call for sure. I mean, yeah, Amir, you know, Amir what he did at Kennesaw State, I think, is one of the best coaching jobs yeah. I can think of in the last five years. I mean, it's it's a remarkable job. He turned the turnaround there is unbelievable. Just thinking about, you know, like natural moves, you know, I, the last, the first name that came and popped in my head from the last couple of years is Shaheen Holloway going from St. Peter's yeah. to Seton Hall. That, you know, that makes that's a good, that's a good comparison. natural move. But, but, you know, like, you know, there's, uh, you know, d there's got to be some sort of connection. You know, I know, I know he was an assistant at Texas A&M. I don't think they're looking yeah. at getting rid of Buzz Williams, oh. but, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be obviously jobs that come open. I mean, you know, He's been in the South a lot, but I mean, Ohio State's, you know, kind of in the, on the down. I think you know, I, if he, I'm Ohio State, even, I look at him really hard. I think he'd be great even, there. Even Michigan, you know, Michigan, you know, yeah. they're they're Absolutely. they're on a downturn, and yeah. you know, he's proven this is two years in a row in two different leagues that that he's proven that he can turn a program around really, really quickly. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, that Kennesaw State turnaround job, and obviously this year, just year to year. 
uh, after Brian Gregory, whose turn, uh, his time at uh, South Florida just didn't work out. Uh, yeah, Mears obviously got it going uh, in a really serious way at South Florida. So, if yeah, Leonard Hamilton, sure. if Leonard Hamilton were to decide he finally is as old as he actually is and and hang Man. it up, I think Florida State would be smart to give him a look for sure. Yeah, that's a really good one actually. Um, if that job does uh, decide, if they decide that job, uh, comes open a reminder that uh, Abdur Rahim was at Murray State for his first uh, coaching job yeah. in Carlsville, Charleston. As Jay mentioned, he was at Texas A&M for five years and then Georgia as an assistant before taking the job uh, at Kennesaw State and now at the University of South Florida. The MAC looks like they're going to be realigning. UMass is going to the MAC, and there's a lot of buzz around here, Jay, by the way, that the other team to make it an even conference will be Western Kentucky. And as far as the Mid-American Conference is concerned for basketball, adding UMass and Western Kentucky is a massive coup if they want to be a lot better on the hardwood. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you, man. Is this a good move for UMass? And would it be a good move uh, down the road in Bowling Green uh, for Western Kentucky? I think for Western, it's a no-brainer. From the football side, on the basketball side, absolute no-brainer. Does it make sense for UMass? And is it good for the Mid-American Conference? No, I hate it. So I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I don't uh, – I know that nothing is sacred anymore. Like, I get that. But UMass not in the A-10 makes no sense to me. And uh, – in, in, it, it, it's like UMass made a football move, but their football sucks, and mm -hmm. it, and it just kills their basketball. Who the hell wants to watch them play Toledo and Northern Illinois and Central Michigan? That's not who they should be playing. Uh, and it really does the same thing to Western Kentucky basketball, but Western's football is a lot better than UMass football, so I at least understand the logic of doing this on the football side for Western Yes. Well, Western Battle has also kind of floundered, you know, the last several years. They would probably do pretty well in the MAC, but that the point is like that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so I don't really like it for either one of them, but I understand why they're doing it. Call it Jay. Tell Mark he's an idiot. Do it. Do it. Do it. No, man. no, I'm I'm not going to. I mean, it's it's what it always is. It's a football move, you know. They they obviously UMass has a great history in the A-10. I think they joined that league in like 1982. And, you know, at this point, when you look at the A-10, you know, you think, you know, UMass, they won like five or six league titles. You know, they were obviously really good, you know, in the, in the mid to late 90s. But yeah, like I said, it's a football only move. I was, I'm looking at their schedule from last year. They did have three games against MAC teams as an independent. So, I mean, I guess this was all about finding a home for football as it, as it usually is with realignment. But it, you know, I mean, ge this is another one of those for a conference like the MAC. The geography here doesn't, you know, make sense at all. You know, Buffalo's in this corner, and UMass is like 400 miles from Buffalo. So, you know, what's what's the, what's UMass's travel going to be like to Northern Illinois? You know, you know, for you know, for like softball or something like that. I mean, I know they're I know they're staying in different leagues for hockey, uh, and I think it's like lacrosse or something like that. I might be wrong, right. but yeah, you know, this is this is another you know, football is king move. Um, you know, they're going to, you know, the Mac does, even though the, even though the schedule set up, I don't know how you get hyped as a kid at, you know, at, uh, you know, Toledo or Eastern Michigan, when you know, your big games are going to be on a Tuesday night, you know, in the middle of the week when you can't get drunk because you have class eight o'clock in the next morning, but they, they do have a TV deal. You know, they're going to, they're the max King, you know, late in the season on yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And I think that's, you know, obviously a big reason why UMass made this move. All right, well, uh, 42 years uh, in the Atlantic 10, and they will be moving uh, that way. I, you have the question on the sheet, so I'm just going to ask. Outside of money, 
why expand the tournament? There's only one reason that I can think of. I will go first on this one is that coaches want it uh, for job security. Uh, keeps them in jobs longer. Uh, and that is the only reason that I see this other than a money grab. What says Mark Ennis? Uh, I, I, yes. I think you said it all. <laughs> and I, I hate, I hate it. Uh, what I, I hate about it is it is saying out loud, and they're going to try to do the same thing with the football playoff too. No question. Yep. They're saying out loud, we want it, like it's not enough that we have financial advantages in the SEC and the Big Ten or in the Power Five leagues. It's not enough. We want guaranteed spots no matter what we do, and it's like the least competitive spirit thing ever. Uh, it, it's like we want all the advantages and guarantees. And the rest of you be damned. And, and when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it's just a complete it, – it's like you bastards in the SEC and the Big Ten, this is not for you anyway. The, the, the tournament is not yours. So stop trying to, to make it yours by doing this stuff. You guys don't ever win it anyway, so stop it. How about you, Jack? I think, you know, obviously, you know, it's this is strictly a money grab. I, you, you, I, I don't – I didn't even – to consider that you know this is something the coaches want who is it like you know steve peichel at you know steve peichel or you know you know you know what i'm saying steve like it's not, on February 27th. you know it's 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 just strange you know it, that that they say all right instead of us trying to instead of us winning more we're going to get in you know with our you know six and 14 conference record yeah. you know I, I i just i just don't like that at all you know it's this is like this is one of the sporting events that's already perfect and anything else, any more expansion, any changes, you know, that just, that just, that would just ruin it. And, you know, I think a part of it, a part of this too could be, you know, with all the changes coming in to TV, you know, there, there's no way that, you know, Turner with what TNT, TBS, CBS, and true TV, if they added, you know, if they went to 96, those games would have to go to another channel so that would be a bidding war. There'd be a bidding war for that. That would lead to the NCAA getting more money. And, you know, I just I just, I just don't want to see that happen. You know, there's always – it's already been – I don't want to call it watered down because I still love it, but I think I think 2009 or 2010 was the last year where we would get, you know, Greg Gumbel coming on the TV saying, all right, we're going to take you from your game out to Spokane because, you know, Boise State and – you know, Fresno are tied at 65 with 40 seconds left. The next, the year after that was when we started to get all of them. And then you're like, wow, most of these games really stink. And, you know, they, would, <laughs> they were would, saving me for myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I said, I still love this tournament. You know, I'm obviously going to watch every game until, you know, until I'm not here anymore. But, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's just one of the things that happened at all. And it would just make it worse if they, you know, added the 13th and 14th place teams from the Big Ten to the tournament in five years. The only thing I wonder with some of these moves is if it isn't a play to attract sports betting, to just have more product available to bet on. And if you feel that that's a way to get viewership and to get more people interested in your sport. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wonder if that's at least a little part of the motivation, but uh, probably uh, probably just a money grab. <laughs> How about that? All right, uh, Jay, you have a list that I am very excited about tonight, and this is the list – for Jay Davis, I asked him very recently, when was the last time you were in a fist fight? Jay Davis uh, went to single digits of age, uh, probably about eight or nine years old. Uh, the last time he was in a good fist fight. My last one was a, a very poor fist fight. 
uh, that I lost and um, got a nice piece of bone stuck in my eye uh, in the beautiful city of Sarnia, Ontario, against the Sarnia Stingers in an OHL game. Uh, Jay Davis. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's more. Hold on. Before, before. Are you trying to tell me that you got into a fight in Canada? Oh, I lost badly. There's, Don't worry. Yeah. There's more to that story. <laughs> Why is there more? To, oh, it's, there's got to be. Somewhere of me just bleeding out on the ice. They had to stop the game, get out the Zamboni, like dig up that part of the ice because there's so much blood. In the ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It, oh, if it were modern era, dude, I'd be like Instagram meme forever. Like, like somebody be like me going to work at McDonald's this morning and me just falling over bleeding on the ice would be uh, the video that they would have. And then the nodding dogs would come up, uh, you know, on the on the overlay or something like that. Uh, Jay, is this current players or all time? And why is Kenyon Martin number one? It's it's all time. Kenyon Martin's not even out here. Uh, come on. So, you know, <laughs> let, you know, over the weekend, we saw uh, four guys, four grown men at a kid's seven on seven camp in, at, you know, somewhere in, in Georgia and yeah. attempted to. To jump uh six foot six, two hundred and seventy-five pound former NFL player Cam Newton, and it didn't go no, well. Man. The weirdest no, thing about not. that fight is, you know, he did that. I saw somebody on Twitter saying, put it much more eloquently than I will, that he did that, you know, with some kind of like legal action in mind, because he wasn't he didn't throw a punch, you know, it was all throwing people off of him and pushing people. You know, people were saying that he didn't even lose his hat and he had a smile on his face. And, you know, it just makes you think, like, who are the athletes that you wouldn't want to fight? And, you know, there's a couple of them. There's one. One of them is a fiction. I, ha I have a list of four. One of them is a fictional character. I'll leave him for last. Uh, you know, the first one I put, I picked Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson, Washington basketball player, played in the NBA for, you know, probably about a decade. I put him in here because he is a 5'8 man who's met, who made it to the NBA. And he probably got a bunch of, you know, he, he probably – Going to the court, you know, when he was younger, going to open runs, you know, telling people he's got next. They're probably like, get out of here, little fella. And, you know, he probably had to, you know, show some people what he was about. So Nate Robinson. The second Good one start. is another best, James Johnson. He's a he's a journeyman in the NBA. He's probably played for like seven or eight teams, but I think he's a 10th degree black belt. So, you know, <laughs> it's, and I, I I think I'm pretty sure the Pacers at, at one point this season signed him oh. after they got into a scuffle with, it might have been Miami or somebody, but they or or actually I think it might have been Milwaukee. They got into a scuffle with the Bucks, and they knew they were playing Milwaukee soon after that. So they signed James Johnson, and I'm pretty sure this is why. Uh, the third one is takes me back to my childhood. There was a game that we used to play. Would you would you let Mike Tyson punch you in the face for for five for like a thousand dollars or like five hundred thousand dollars? And the answer was always no because you didn't want to die. Mike Tyson right. has, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, was laying pro boxers out in 30 seconds with you know with a hook and you know that is not someone i would want to touch now this this last one is very specific to a to an era it's like a 18 19th month stretch and i put stone cold steve austin in here from like january 1998 until there was like january 98 before he won a wwf title till he got ran over by a car at survivor series the next year you know because you'd always see you know where he'd where three or four guys would jump him and, you know, he, he just handled his business, you know, with a chair or some barbed wire or something like that. And, you know, that, that I always thought, I was like, wow, I never want to fight that guy. Hey Davis, Man. outside of the white shit he does with his family in Wisconsin, with his wife's family, his love of wrestling is the whitest thing about Jay Davis. It just is. It is the, we it love, is. we love pro wrestling too, man. Is that we a thing? Have. Yeah. Can I throw? Can I add two? I'm deep. I'm deep into black wrestling Twitter, baby. 
<laughs> I want to add two. I want to add two. I want to add two people to this list. Okay. Uh, J- James Harrison. No part of James Harrison at all. It just looks like every like that man is a psycho. Yes, he, he looks like, like a walking like, like tear you in half with his hands, right? Like yeah. And then Ben Wallace. Uh, just no part of Ben Wallace whatsoever. Uh, just terrifies me as a person. He looks like he was carved out of granite. Huge. Uh, Six hands, five and didn't let Shaq gigantic by. hands like it just like it would kill like no way never you would never get me to do that. The the thing about Ben Wallace I always remember is you know the night of the malice at the palace and that that was originally Ron Artest and him going at it but once yes. Ron Art, you know but nobody you know all that stuff broke out Ron Artest wasn't trying to find Ben Wallace after that. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> it's real life. That's real. Uh, do you think Chauncey Billups gets in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, he won finals MVP, you know, he had, he helped, you know, another team reach a level of success it hadn't until last year, you know, he was on that Nuggets team that got to the West Finals in 2009, but I don't know, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame and everybody gets in, I wish they would just break it up, there's a College Basketball Hall of Fame, why is there an NBA Hall of Fame, I just wish they would find a way to do that. You sounded like Dennis almost verbatim there, Um, All right. well, uh, Let's uh, go ahead. We'll do our look ahead of games we are looking forward to uh, coming up here. Uh, Mark, outside of Louisville's trip to Cameron, uh, where they will be early 20-point dogs, uh, which game are you looking forward to the most? I don't even know at this point. Can I just be totally square with you guys? Like, it's hard to even think about these games kind of down the stretch. But, we, I mean, coming up, we get UConn and Marquette again, but that's like March 6th. So we got a little bit of time uh, before yeah, that. Is. There's that. Uh, the, la- the last weekend is, you know, Kansas Kansas goes to Houston, but there's some there's some good ones later this week. What, what do you got, Jack? Yeah, let's hear yours. Uh, for me, it's Gonzaga and St. Mary's Saturday night. Uh, you know, that's just one of the, you know, I think, you know, St. Mary's is ranked. They're at the top of the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga probably needs that, needs that game to stay, to, to avoid Dayton. Um, Houston goes to Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma hasn't been playing well as of late, but you know it's still a road game in a Power Five conference. Marquette and Creighton get the get the afternoon game. That's a huge one in the Big East. Um, Kansas and Baylor play at one o'clock on Saturday. There's, there's yeah, a Tennessee handful. Alabama too. I forgot about that. Yeah, Tennessee Tennessee Alabama Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, can I give a kind of an off the wall one? By Friday night at nine o'clock. Friday night at nine o'clock is Dayton Loyola Chicago. And I know that's like off of people's radars. Loyola Chicago is not bad this year. They're actually 12 and two in the A10. Dayton, obviously a top 25 team. I, the computers, it's another one of these conversations. Don't like Loyola Chicago. They really like Dayton. Um, but Loyola Chicago barely in the top 100. It's the kind of win if they can beat Dayton where you have to start looking at their resume within the A10 uh, to make it more interesting. And it's the kind of game that if Dayton wins, it's another you know quad two kind of win for them and a chance for them to just pad that resume and if little Chicago happens to win a couple of games uh, that could actually turn into a quad one uh, at some point as well. So uh, that's my yeah. off the radar game Friday night. That's actually an ESPN two. Uh, people are listening to this uh, nine o'clock on Friday. should be a fun one. Yeah. That's the Loyola's one, like seven in a row. Interesting. You bring that one up because over the last yeah. couple of days after, you know, Michigan state blows that Ohio state game, people are talking about uh, Drew Valentine taking over for Izzo, which would oh, be God. Uh, which would be the guy who struggles, you know, he's, he's done a decent job there. You know, they're in a, 
in a new league, but yeah, I mean, he, I would, I, he needs to get a little bit more seasoning and, you know, them winning, uh, you know, winning that game on Friday would be pretty good for him, obviously. Secondary market for tickets to that game, $120 get in price for Loyola wow. Chicago Dayton. So they are paying attention up there. Uh, are the fighting sister jeans. So there you go. Should be a, a fun <laughs> one uh, up in Chicago between those two. Uh, not to be outdone, FS1 later that night, Utah State hosting uh, Air Force of what should be a Utah State walkover. All right. Well, uh, that's all I got. Uh, what are uh, I, I, I feel like Mark Ennis, so hmm. Louisville in general as a town, loves to over-decorate for holidays. Halloween immediately comes to mind. This is a massive Halloween town. Too many people do like Thanksgiving decorations and then Christmas, obviously. We get into Valentine's Day. I'm already seeing things for St. Patrick's Day. Is there any more fake holiday in the United States than St. Patrick's Day? I just feel like if you don't want to come to my house, you can just tell me. Like, you don't have to do all this. <laughs> you have an inflatable for everything? <laughs> no, uh, but Angela has decorations for everything. And there everything, are right? there are St. Patrick's Day decorations in this house that are already up. And so I am not an idiot. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, last name is Ennis. How about that? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we have the decorations for a reason. Uh, Jay Davis, what's the most overrated holiday? I don't know. Probably New Year's Eve. Uh, I, I, I won't say St. Patrick's Day is overrated just because it always falls during conference tournaments or, you know, the first weekend of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. There, there's, a, you know, there used to be this time where, you know, B-dubs on St. Patrick's Day Seven oh, o'clock, yeah. beers a quarter, eight o'clock is you know. Three beers, baby. If you got you know, go there first game at twelve o'clock. You're drinking for a dollar twenty-five, you know, for an hour, and you're not you're not paying more than three dollars for a beer all day. I um I have an appreciation for that B dubs because uh, that's where I learned to puke and rally. How about that? All right. Well, uh, <laughs> and for a while they had fifty cent chicken legs. That was a ball. That was better than the wings they got over there. Anyway, um, yeah. I guess they had a yeah. free wing promotion yesterday, and they tried not to. Promote. Yeah, I don't know. I saw I saw a commercial for that over the weekend. I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't go. So there you go. All right. Well, we'll be back at it next week. Uh, much closer to March, obviously, as it will be March next week. Yep. Um, pretty wild times. Uh, hey, worth yeah, uh, worth, worth calling attention to right now. Uh, Kentucky has uh, has maintained uh, its amazing. <laughs> The, the Mississippi State is as it's amazing what they're doing. Yeah, this time next week we'll have a conference tournament going. Hey, hey there we go. Thanks, uh, Chris. Son. Chris Jans headed for a bigger job or not, Marquez? I would think so. Uh, probably not ex exciting enough, say for Louisville. But yeah, I think you'd be a fool not to hire the guy at this point. Jay Davis, what say you about uh, young Chris Jans? I mean, he'll get a, you know, he'll get a shot, you know, somewhere else. I wouldn't stay at, uh, you know, at Mississippi State too long. I don't know how much you can win there. So he, I, he may, he might be there another year. I don't know. Like I say, you know, it goes always goes back to the jobs that are open. Uh, Mark Ennis, James Johnson was mentioned on this podcast. Do you remember where he played college? You should. Oh, I should. Oh, now the pressure's on. I feel bad. I already did trivia with Diener this morning, and I didn't do very great with that. Either, I'm actually so. kidding. It was before Louisville was in the ACC. Played at Wake Forest. Uh, it was a top six. He was the number sixteen pick in the 09. Uh, How about that? Draft. Yeah. So there you go. Um, he's he stretched this one out uh, about as long as you're going to stretch out a career. But yeah, he's uh, 
He's played for 308 different NBA teams. That's <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna get out of here this has been 40 minutes of pot episode 15 thanks for hanging out with us a reminder if you made it this long into the episode everything jay does uh hanging out with us is presented by lana sports l-a-n-a sports.com use our code aba20 to get 20 percent off your orders uh with a family-owned company there in indianapolis all the great red white blue basketballs all the other stuff great stuff for your man cave or heck for your driveway go check them out as well uh when we come back we will be into march and we will do March Madness episodes starting next weekend. Uh, you can go to Mark's house if you want to, Nolan Richardson. They're already That's celebrating it. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs>